Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. You know, everybody knew Cordero was a outstanding athlete, strong runner, uh, great when he had the ball in his hands. We probably could have done a better job when we had him. You know, we'd, we'd tinkered around with it, but we had Adrian at the time. You know, you take him take him out and put him in. Or, But I still think there was, you know, we could have used him more in some of those kind of ways, yes. All right, Mike Zimmer uh, admitting that, yes, the Vikings could have used Cordero <laughs> Patterson in some of the ways that the Patriots have been using Cordero Patterson uh, Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com, and the Purple Podcast. What did you make of, of Zimmer's admission there? Well, I, I think that Cordero Patterson is the gift that keeps on giving to me for a random article I wrote at the end of 2016 uh, when the season was mostly over about how they could have used Cordero a little more in the backfield. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that was something we all saw when he was a rookie he was making waves around the league as a guy that could be the next great explosive playmaker. And you've got to wonder if it was today, if he was a rookie this year, if we'd be talking about him as someone like Tyree Kill, uh, somebody who uh, you know is a wide receiver, yes, but is mostly used for his explosiveness. And they find any way possible just to get him the ball. And I think that Hill is a, a much more gifted wide receiver than Patterson, but even the poor man's version would be pretty darn good. And so for other offensive coordinators to not really go back to the way that they had used him in his rookie year and to not use him at times as a running back, uh, I think I think it was a big mistake. And Zimmer says, yeah, well, we had Adrian Peterson. Okay, I mean, in 2015, yes, but not in 2014 or 2016. And uh, Pat Shermer, no surprise, used him the best in a lot of screen passes and things like that but still is a wide receiver and barely ran him with the ball. Now, it's not like he's averaging 10 yards a carry, but he's clearly showing that he's an extra weapon in the backfield. And even if they had just mixed him in instead of, say, oh, I don't know, Matt Asiata, uh, I think they would have maybe had a better offense in 2016. Matt was good, though. I mean, you know, third and one, fourth and one, Collar, <laughs> he was good. Right, okay, I'm going to pile on here uh, and go back to the column that you actually wrote about this, not this week, but at that time back in 2016. And if I recall, we talked about this quite a bit at that time, and the idea of using Patterson was not original. In 2000, I, I looked this up today, in 2016, okay, the Packers started using Ty Montgomery, who was in his second year as a receiver with Packers at that time. 
He had they started to use him as a running back. He had 77 carries that year. He wa- he went uh, six feet, 216 pounds. We looked at Patterson, who we knew couldn't run a route, Matthew Collar, to save his life, but who went 6'2", 228. And I think that's where our conversation started. We said, Green Bay's doing this with Montgomery. Wouldn't it make sense to try it with Cordero? So it's not as if we sat there and thought to ourselves, how can we get Cordero Patterson on the field? We saw what McCarthy was doing at that time and said, it makes sense. So I guess if you're a Viking fan, the frustration should lie with the fact that that the use of Cordell Patterson out of the backfield would have been essentially copying your arch rival in the Packers, and it was never that original of thought. Yeah, and it wasn't even really original to just football in general. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go back to, to somebody like uh, Eric Metcalf, one of my favorite players growing up, uh, in part because he was so versatile. They would line him up in the backfield. They'd line him up as a wide receiver. They'd throw him the ball. And I think, you know, Eric Metcalf is probably a better overall football player than Cordero Patterson, but same sort of deal, right? Like the great kick returner and, and a guy that every time he's got the ball in his hands, he's dangerous. And, you know, the thing that I look at with Patterson is touches. And right now, this year, he's easily going to go by his career high in touches. And he doesn't even have, like, a big, giant touchdown run yet. So you know that that's going to come at some point, right? Like, as long as 22, he'll get he'll break one out at some point and probably get that average up even from where it is because that's just who he is with the ball in his hands. And, yeah, I mean, looking back, I, I think we have to look at maybe one that Zimmer was not very involved in what they were doing on offense when North Turner was the offensive coordinator. And then that Pat Shermer – had the right idea but never went all the way in. But also, I, I think that this was the plan from Bill Belichick from training camp. I, I, in, in 2016, Shermer had to take over midseason, so it's a little bit different. You know, If you haven't used the guy as a running back ever, it's pretty hard to say in week 10, hey, get back there and you know, uh, just uh, grind up the middle on a zone run or something if he's never done it. But that was the thing, that Belichick – he had a quote in preseason about using Patterson the way that he always should be used. So clearly he knew that this was uh, the skill set of Patterson. And this is, this is the secret genius of Belichick. It's not all about like, scheme or cheating or having Tom Brady. The thing that he's always done super, super well is found where people fit and put them in positions to succeed. And he's done that with a bunch of these guys. Patterson's not alone. James White is basically a wide receiver that comes out of the backfield. He catches the ball as much as he runs the ball. And then he's got now a pure runner in Sony Michelle. And so this team has a ton of weapons, especially if Gronk is in, that are going to be very difficult to deal with for the Vikings' uh, defense. And you know that they're going to try and get Patterson the ball a few times. Uh, Matthew Collar from 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast and Purple Live on Tuesday nights. Uh, what can the Vikings carry over from the offensive performance they put up against the Green Bay Packers? Are there things uh, that could be transferable to the last stretch of the season here, Patriots, Seahawks, et cetera? Well, it's a great coincidence you asked because I wrote about that for 1500ESPN.com. Oh, that is so, just... wow, a, how about that? That's amazing. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, there are, Phil. Um, and let me tell you about those things. Uh, they they really simplify... The way that they played on offense against the Packers was the way they should have been playing on offense all year. Uh, Seven passes to Kyle Rudolph. And, you know, Rudolph is not Rob Gronkowski, but he will catch anything that comes his way. And he's averaging eight yards a target. 
So going to him on first down created a lot of second downs in short. That's one thing that they just really hadn't been doing a lot. Rudolph was not much of a, of a part of the offense in general. Um, also, like Delvin Cook on the jet sweep, rocket sweep, any type of aerial sweep that you want. Um, but finding like creative ways to get Delvin the ball, they need to continue to do that. And the thing that I, I liked the most was having Kirk Cousins move out of the pocket. He's not like a running quarterback or someone you think of as super mobile, but if you tell him to roll out, if that's the play, he's really good. I mean, he can keep his eyes downfield, knows where everybody is, and can make super accurate throws on the run, and he did that on a few plays. And I, I think all of those things were being neglected a bit that now need to be main parts of their offense going forward. Should there be concerns about the fact that uh, Diggs with a knee and Rhodes, not surprisingly, with a hamstring, uh, not only were on the injury report today, Matthew Collar, but both did not practice today? Uh, anytime you see Stephon Diggs on an injury report, the answer is yes, you should be concerned. Uh, I don't know where that injury happened, and it might just be a day off. That's why Wednesday's always tough. But, uh, you know, without him... Adam Thielen had 22 yards against Detroit. And the number one thing that Bill Belichick does that everyone talks about, Cousins talked about it today, Zimmer talked about it today, if you have one great receiver, they will make sure that they move heaven and earth to shut that guy down. That is the number one thing. Make everyone else beat you. Make Laquan Treadwell beat you. Make Rudolph beat you. Not let it be that one great wide receiver. So they absolutely need to have the two in order to have a chance to beat Belichick's defense. And with Xavier Rhodes, I mean, Zimmer said today that there's a good chance he plays, but, I mean, he's told us this about just about everyone. I mean, even, uh, you know, Andrew Sandejo, I, I think earlier in the season, oh, there's a good chance he plays or something like that, and now he's on IR. So, I mean, this, this, it's happened far too many times that we've been snowed by Zimmer comments on injuries that they're not even worth paying any attention to. The hamstring injury is definitely real, and when I saw Rhodes walking in the um, locker room today, he was not walking very smoothly. So I assume that it's that it's still pretty serious. I, or at this moment, wouldn't bet on him. But uh, you know, it's it's hard to say until Friday. Yeah. I think it's awesome that Bill Belichick. Uh, well, a, a that he said Mike Zimmer is one of the best coaches around, and he respects the hell out of him. But also that he's open about sort of stealing concepts and ideas from coaches like Mike Zimmer and other smart people around college and pro football. Yeah, and Zimmer has been so creative this year that, like, if you thought that he was a guy that just was going to stick to his system, I mean, you just couldn't be more off. Because the the other night against the Packers, he put out something that I've never seen him put out. He had Harrison Smith lined up over the center. So he had the regular double-A gap blitz look where it's the two linebackers uh, on the right and left shoulder of the center. And then Harrison Smith was right over in the face of the center. And I can't remember a time where I've ever seen a safety come down and get in the face of a center to show a blitz look. And I just think that he's gone to an extreme with a lot of these blitzes. I saw a stat today that uh, the rest of the teams have the second lowest quarterback rating against Vikings blitzes, which is partly personnel, but also part creativity. And this is something we just didn't talk about in the past a lot because Zimmer would rely on the front four, and they, the front four is fantastic, but his creativity, showing looks and then dropping out of them and things like that, using Stephen Weatherly as, as a defender who can almost be a linebacker and a, an edge rusher who can drop back in coverage, I mean, 
so many things that he's done this year that have been impressive to make up for some of the occasional injuries here or there or you know teams figuring out what worked for them and he's solved a lot of problems so instead of going into this game thinking boy Brady could really light you up you think this is going to be a heavyweight matchup between Zimmer, Belichick, and Brady. Do you sense a tightness? Because the one thing that I found in covering teams in the past is if you're going to play uh, the the Patriots collar, that teams tend to get tight. Do you sense that, or are we uh, are, are we still pretty loose out at TCO Performance Center performance? Well, I, I think part of not being super tight is that they never see this team. So it's not like there's a, like a long history. I mean... Uh, do any of these players remember when Drew Bledsoe threw 70 passes? Probably not. So I can tell you know, about I, it. I, I, I don't think that there's the same intimidation factor that would exist for a team like, say, Indianapolis that faces them all the time and then had you know, a playoff incident. They really don't know anything about the New England Patriots uh, aside from just, hey, Tom Brady's the best. But even when you look at Brady this year, their offense this year, the stats this year, they're very, very good but they're not like they were when they had Randy Moss or something and just running away from the rest of the league. They look pretty human and pretty beatable, and, and I think this is, this is tough. This is a coin flip for me on this game, and if, you know, it's one of those that we'll talk about as far as how is Kirk Cousins going to play. Is it going to be the Green Bay version? Is it going to be the Chicago version? Because I do think that there are a lot of great players on the New England defense that could give Cousins problems. Football. And uh, you can uh, you can find collar in written audio, all kinds of senses and forms on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Sent jet form, rocket form, yes, same thing, right? Hot air balloon, it's the same thing. We form. learned that. Yep. Thanks, collar. Bye, Matthew. Thanks, guys. All right, Bye. Matthew Collar. He's a football enthusiast. Rich Gannon is too, and he's going to join us next. But first, what is it you're trying to say? Now back to Mackie and Judd on fifteen hundred ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. And, um, yeah, we got a crash westbound 94 near uh, 280 and Huron Boulevard. Uh, We know about that area. That's basically right in our front yard almost. Not literally, but uh, 94, yeah, crash there. 37-minute delay westbound if you're headed uh, on 94 there. So, folks, you got to be careful in this weather. I mean, we get a dusting of snow and everyone just stops on the freeway? Or is it just that our football football hour is so compelling that people are pulling over? It's gridlock right now. I saw the chart. It's gridlock. I'm looking at the camera right now. Yeah, it's not moving. Well, then, plenty of time for you to sit in your car and be entertained uh, by Rich Gannon, one of our favorite guests and former NFL MVP. Rich, what's happening? We've heard that uh, you're battling a little bug out there. I am, but I'm going to make it through. I'm going to push through. We got uh, five weeks left of the regular season, so it's yeah. uh, no time to uh, no time to be sick. No. Well, what's what's the worst you've ever felt in your football career? Do you, is there was there a game where you're either sick or probably injured to the point where maybe you shouldn't have played, but you did? I was pretty lucky with the you know the ailments. I think the the issue that I had was some you know some injuries. I had a, a knee that was I tore a ligament in my knee. I had a situation in the AFC Championship game against the Ravens in 2000 where I separated my shoulder and then went into the locker room and got it injected a couple of times and came back in the third quarter and tried to play. So uh. that, that, was, that was bad. But, you know, um, you know, it, this is such a hard game to play when you're healthy, let alone when you're not, you know, feeling 100%. And, you know, you look at this time, this time of the year, there's no one out there on the field right now that's 100%. Everyone's 
dealing with something, nursing something. So you just got to push through. And I think the, the coaches need to be particularly aware of that as well to make sure that you know you, you get your team uh, to the finish line, and, and especially those teams that are going to be playing in the postseason. Yeah. Rich, how much more do you think uh, coaches and trainers and teams are cognizant of that now compared to your day, as far as as far as uh, maintaining uh, knowledge that guys are hurt and possibly shouldn't or can't play? It's significantly better, and, and you know you look at the technology that they're using now to be able to monitor reps and plays that, that uh, you know the, each particular players playing in a game or in practice and in recovery and you know this goes back to they're looking at going back to reps and training camp they're looking at the first four games of the season so you know they've got all these analytics and they've got uh, you know people on staff that tell them you know this is what's happened not only just for themselves but also uh, for the opponent and you know that's something you factor in and you start looking at matchups and say well who's healthy who's not you know who can we build a game plan around who can we trust to be able to play on Sunday I mean you look at the the Vikings this week, and obviously the big question is, you know, Xavier Rhodes is he going to, you know, that, that injury looks so bad, and yet you hear that maybe it's just a, it's a, it's a, a, you know, a little bit of a hamstring pull that he could play. So to me, it looked like he detached the, the ligament from the bone. I thought to myself, you know, um, he, may, he, he may be done for the season, but now I'm hearing that it's not not as severe as we thought. Yeah, um, is uh, Aaron Rodgers now compared to five years ago? Where where, where do you think he's at now? I don't know that he's in a good frame of mind. I don't think physically he's really all that much different. I think the knee was certainly bothering him uh, earlier in the season, but I think he's, I don't want to say he's not 100%. I know that. I did the Packers a couple weeks ago, so I know he's he's nowhere near 100%, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. I would just tell you that, you know, I don't know that they're as good around him. I just don't, when you look at their defense, who really scares you? I mean, who you know, back in the day you said, well, these Clay Matthews, you know, he's good for 12, 14, 15 sacks. You know, he has not been the same player. Nick Perry, before he went on the IR, he wasn't the same player. Um, you know, you look at their linebacking core, their secondary. Um, there's no one really scares you on that side of the ball. They've had some injuries. Cobb hasn't played on offense. The offensive line has been dinged up. But I just don't think they're as talented, and they don't have the depth around Aaron that they once did. I still think he's the same caliber of player, but I do think he's in a bit of a funk right now. I just don't. You look at his body language. To me, it's something. Something's not right. Exactly. Strategy question for for you, sir. And this is something that, that the Vikings opponents uh, um, that they're going to play on Sunday. They do extremely well w- with a quarterback who you don't consider to be that agile. But why don't on third and one or fourth and one? Why don't we see more QB sneaks? Because it seems to me that that we see them we see them from some teams sometimes. But the quarterback basically, I think, can see where where the, where the gap is and has a very good chance to get that yard. And yet, it it's almost as if teams try and force things still when when a team like the Patriots sort of has given you a blueprint for how that quarterback sneak can work. Well, look at the Tennessee Titans on Monday night. They ran a, a critical fourth and one early in the game, and they handed it to a tight end who had never touched the ball, never that had never had a carry in the NFL. You've got a 242-pound running back back there. Derrick Henry is a former Heisman Trophy winner. So I, some of it's some of it's coaching. You know, look, Brady's pretty good at it. You know, you watch Brady's actually a pretty good quarterback. I know this sounds crazy, but there's some quarterbacks who are good at it. Mm-hmm. He's got the length that you like, and he knows how to kind of torpedo himself between uh, the center and the guard. Um, John Elway was always good at it. You know, I think some coaches are worried about the quarterback getting hurt. But honestly, look how many times have quarterbacks got hurt on a quarterback sneak. So. You know, the thing about it drives me crazy is you've got fourth and less than a yard, 
and the quarterback's in the shotgun. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for, yes. I, it's, I, it's, I, I don't understand that. Yes. I just, you you got to be able to get What about the days where you got a fullback in there and you got a you got an Adrian Peterson in the hand of the football and he, he knocks somebody backwards for two yards? Yeah, there was a clip. So Matthew Collar is our, our Vikings uh, talking head here at 1500 ESPN, and he found a clip from a Bears-Vikings game in the early to mid-90s. I mean, it might have been your era of, of Vikings football, and Randall McDaniel lined up as a fullback, handed the ball off to, I don't know if it was Terry Allen or somebody else with huge shoulder pads. Absolutely. But they literally Absolutely. put a Hall of Fame guard at fullback and said, we're just going to push all of this forward a yard and see what happens. Yeah, you know, some of it gets to creativity. You know what I mean? I think you could sit some of the the coordinators and the play callers and say, all right, you know, who's our, what is our, do we have a short yardage and goal line back? Someone we can trust that somebody's got some size that can bang it up in there and smash it up in there. You know, it's really an attitude, Ron. And, you know, sometimes some of these teams become so finesse. You know, we get out and we're, we become, you know, it's kind of like the spread game in college, you know, where um, you, you don't, you know, not a lot of teams even carry a fullback. So, um, I'm happy to say the Vikings do get a, do have a fullback, and that's important. But uh, you know, I just think you need it when the weather changes, and you need it in short yards and goal line situations. The fullback can go up in there and smack someone right in the mouth. You brought up the thing though that absolutely in, in today's game, college as well, but but pros for sure drives me up the wall. Why shotgun on fourth and short or third and, and short? I just and teams do it all all the time, so it's accepted, Rich. But it drives me crazy because to me it, it eliminates an option that otherwise would be there consistently. How about our Golden Gophers? I mean, I watched them do the same thing. It drives me crazy. I just you know, you as an offense, you have to be you, know, you can't you have to continue to be an evolving offense. You know, if you look at the, the, the team that the Vikings are going to play this week, I can just promise you, I've done the Patriots this year, they are a very game-plan-specific team. You know, you're going to see some things on offense and defense that clearly you've not seen or you're not prepared for. You know, the Patterson runs, those type of things, uh, different things they do with Sony Michel. Um, but they, 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 continue to, they continue to evolve as the season goes on. You can't just be, you know, a, a team that has a, a handful of plays and concepts. And I just think that, you know, even defensively, they do some, like, they'll, they'll figure out. Belichick will look at this Vikings offense, and the first thing he'll be he'll say is, look, we're not dumb. We're not going to let Adam Thielen and, and Stephon Diggs have it. You know, that, that's what we're going to do. Cousins has got the hot hand, and that, they want to throw the football. And we're going to do everything we can to eliminate those two players. And then you turn probably to, to Kyle Rudolph. You know, and that's why I thought it was important last week that, you know, Mary and Cook had, you know, 21 carries combined. I mean, it's going to be important. You know, the challenge this week is keeping Brady on the sidelines where he belongs. You can't afford to give him any extra touches. And, and that's why, you know, field position is going to be important, but also ball security. The, the Patriots have been absolutely dominant in Foxborough in December since Belichick and Brady have been there. You can't turn the ball over. And every possession, if you're Kirk Cousins, you have to think to yourself, we've got to come away with points. Yeah. Uh, where are you at this weekend? I'm in Tennessee. I've got uh, I've got the Jets, who we don't know who's going to play quarterback. But I tell you, they've lost five straight guys. They, there's some bad football out there. There really is. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> amen, brother. You're being assigned to some of it, too, it feels I like. Know, <laughs> but I tell you what, we've got, we've got a Vikings team that I think has got a chance to really get hot and catch the Bears. I'm excited to see what they can do here the next two weeks. This, we'll really find out a lot about the Vikings over the next two weeks. Yes, indeed. Uh, Rich Gannon, we'll catch you next week as we uh, head down the stretch here in the NFL season, man. Thanks for joining again. See you, Rich. You guys are the best. Thanks.
All right, Rich Gannon. Uh, it's usually we go a little longer with him. He's battling something, so we don't we don't want to be the reason why he can't do his a job this weekend. So Rich figured, can't talk. Yeah, it's because uh, those idiots darn Mackie's job. Yep. Uh, poll results here, real quick. I know it's the football hour, but we did have a baseball related poll that uh, Jonathan posted here to uh, twitter.com slash 1500ESPN. The experiment was for Judd to, uh, to as best he can, praise the Twins. And uh, we so we asked the audience, percentage of people who thought Judd was being sincere in his praising of the Twins. And right now it's at 18%. 18% feel like you were sincere in your praising of the Twins earlier in the Surprised show. Surprised is that high, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think it's going down. It as was the votes very difficult to do. <laughs> I thought it would be tough. It was far more difficult than I thought it would be. Uh, we also have go for hockey tickets to give away. What are the details on that? How many uh, tickets, Manny Hill? Uh, four club level tickets and one parking pass. Ooh, for uh, Saturday's go for hockey game against the Ohio State University, as Danny Cunningham loves to hear people course, say. Yes, so, the Danny Cunningham. They dropped the puck at uh, four p.m. Well, caller 5, 651-646-8255. You want to go to a gopher hockey game? 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. We'll wrap with Royce later this hour. It's the football hour. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. Football. You know, everybody knew Cordero was a outstanding athlete, strong runner, uh, great when he had the ball in his hands. We probably could have done a better job when we had him. You know, we we tinkered around with it, but we had Adrian at the time. You know, you take him take him out and put him in, or but I still think there was you know we could have used him more in some of those kind of ways. Yes. Okay. Can we pump the brakes a little on this Cordero Patterson stuff? I get that, yeah, Mike Zimmer wishes they could have found a way with Norv Turner as the coordinator. That's kind of the subtext there. Norv Turner was the coordinator, and those guys did not see eye to eye, and Cordell Patterson goes on eventually to uh, the Patriots, and now the narrative is the Patriots have unlocked Cordell Patterson, and he's thriving in a brilliant system with a brilliant coach, et cetera, et cetera. He's really had two good games for the Patriots. They played 11 games. He's had two good games. He had, and it, and it was week eight and week nine against Buffalo, and then at home against Green Bay, where uh, he carried the ball 10 times for 38 yards, So a lot, and a lot of those were out of the backfield. And then he carried 11 times for 61 yards and a touchdown. He also caught a pass in that game, so he had 12 touches for 68 yards. On the season, you know, he's been given the ball 37 times as a rusher. He scored a touchdown. He's got 156 yards, so about four yards per carry. Keep in mind, he was drafted as a wide receiver, and he has 13 catches for 120 yards in 11 games this year. I mean, yeah, the Patriots gave him the ball in a different context for a couple weeks, and that's great, but I'm not ready to say that Cordell Patterson all of a sudden isn't a bust as a first-round wide receiver just because they gave him the ball 21 times out of the backfield over a couple weeks and like got creative with him. Last week, he carried the ball five times for 10 yards, and he didn't catch a pass. Okay. And he's a, well, he's a bust at that position because he couldn't run around to save his life, and he still can't. The I think where I take exception with Zim, Zim's comments are twofold. One is 
the time Montgomery use in Green Bay led you down a path where it would have been very simple to say, let's try something different, which the Vikings, if you recall, in 2016, were very much onto. And as I recall, in fact, I've got it called up right here. Adrian Peterson in 2016 was suspended for most of that season, and so he played in a grand total that year for the Vikings of three games. I think the frustration was... Yeah, they had Matt Asiata, so like, where are you going to find Well, carries? And I mean, you know, on third and one, who would you rather give it to? But <laughs> it, Cord- Cordell Patterson, to the Vikings' credit, and, and 2016 is the year when they got off to the good start, Norv quit after the Bears game, Shermer took over for, for the rest of that season, then, of course, into last year, did an outstanding job. Cordell Patterson's catch total in 2015 in 16 games for the Vikings was two. It then he never played. He didn't know. play because Norv got frustrated. The, their whole thing by 2015 was he can't run a route. We can't use him, which was incorrect. He can't run a route meant if we're going to use him, we're going to have to get creative. 2016, the catch total spiked up to 52, and so I think the frustration was seeing what other teams were starting to do with guys like that and saying there's something else there. This is not to say that if he had stayed here, he was going to turn into an absolute superstar. It is to say what Belichick is doing and what the Patriots are doing with him is really not surprising. And I think that's the frustration of if you had just taken that next step and gotten creative, it could have helped you. And I just feel like it's overstated to say He's not Bill great. Belichick is has unlocked Cordero. I mean, if you want to look at the weapons that the Patriots use, uh, let's see, Cordero Patterson is third in rushing touches because they give the ball to uh, to, to Sony Michelle. Mm-hmm. Sony Michelle is how you pronounce it, right? Mm-hmm. Sony Michelle. Yep. yep. And uh, and James White. So James White and Sony Michelle have combined for 200 carries because they give those guys the ball. And Cordero has gotten the ball three times a game out of the backfield on average. Uh, in terms of targets to wide receivers, he's one, two, three, four. He's seven. He can't run around. Philip Dorsett. He can't run around. So they're literally just using him, Correct. except for those two games. They're just sprinkling him in for three or four touches a game, which is pretty much what the Vikings were doing with him for three out of the four years. Is he returning kicks? He's punts? doing that too. Yeah. Yep. Is he doing that? Okay. Yes. Yep. Not very often because, you know, touchbacks. <laughs> yeah. The conversation here, in my mind, is this there are useless employees, Laquan Treadwell. Right. I mean, he's just a useless employee. He's never going to. There's no role that you can find for him and say, hey, we found a role. Pretty good blocker. And then there are employees who frustrate (laughs) you, but with which you'd like to get creative to try and and get the maximum from them, even if that doesn't mean they're great. And with Cordero, with Cordero, he is a bust as a wide receiver. He's a flat out bust because Mm -hmm. when you can't run a route and that's what you were drafted to do, that makes you a bust. But he was not a useless employee. And creativity with him at least gives you options. And in this league now, options are are king. Uh, he's also just... But, but you're right. I mean, it's not as if he's turned himself into a great player. He's 10th on the Patriots in yards per touch behind Josh Gordon, Gronk, Chris Hogan, uh, Jacob Hollister, who comes from the great Hollister family of ripped jeans and tight, weird t-shirts. <laughs> uh, Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett, Dwayne Allen, James White, and Jeremy Hill, all averaging more yards per touch than Cordell Patterson. So, you know, they've found some ways to not cut him, basically. You know, you know what this means? What's that? He's going to end up being like the Super Bowl MVP or something. Because he's going to return. Like, be. He's going to end up returning like two kicks for touchdowns or something in the Super Bowl against the Saints or somebody. Of course he could be. Or the Vikings. Let, <laughs> let's give credit, though, to a franchise that takes a guy like this and a guy like Gordon and and teams are afraid, right? 
Cleveland's like, we give up on Josh Gordon and takes those guys and says, we'll take a chance and there's a good chance that we'll find a, a role for them. Yeah, That's what makes the Patriots, to me, so incredible. They take chances on a lot of guys and some don't work, but some do. Let's wrap with Roycey when we come back to the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? <laughs> it's pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic. Uh, no crashes to tell you about right now. Uh, I will say that 94 both ways in between the downtowns is just absolutely gridlocked. Uh, so uh, be prepared for some extended commutes out there, folks. You got to get to the game tonight. Yeah. Give me a helicopter. Take the light rail. Bring the yeah. chopper. Take the light rail. Uh, Pat, we have uh, potentially a new stadium in Oakland finally. Have you seen the renderings uh, of this thing? Yeah, it looks nice, and they're going to do it down on the water, right? Yes, down by the... Do it down in old Jack London Square, down in that area, yeah. Yeah, but they want yes. it in true new stadium fashion. They don't want it to just be a baseball stadium. They want it to be... In this case, a technology and startup hub and all these okay. different things to try and put people in and around the baseball stadium. Now, uh, how much uh, do they want the public to come up with? Because California hasn't been real good at financing publicly financing stadiums. No, I haven't seen a figure on that yet. I don't know how official mm-hmm. this is. Oh, it would be uh, great, but uh, I, I still would bet the nickel that they end up out in uh, the Coliseum, that they end up playing out there. Because uh, it's going to be a whole lot cheaper than building it down there on the water. But the, the, we'll see. Yeah. I would like to see it happen. It's a, that's a beautiful area down there. Hey, Pat, your, your thoughts on, on the commissioner's comments yesterday that the pace of baseball going slow is a fantastic thing because it helps in gambling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I had an empty stomach, so I didn't actually vomit when I read that. But uh, it was it was close. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, what a you know! It's, so all of a sudden, that's uh, that's that's going to be the angle here. Does this that does this does mean we have to put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, right? I would oh, think absolutely, yes. yeah. Yes, it now, does. If we're now if we're now setting the pace of the game to uh, satisfy gamblers, uh, that's uh, that's a, that. I don't know. I think this guy's a dummy. We used to give Sealing a lot of heat, but I think this guy's a nitwit. You know, if, uh, I, I, of course could, he was handpicked by Sealing too. It could rejuvenate careers of guys like Wally the Beer Man. Instead of Wally the Beer Man, maybe it's Wally the Prop Bet guy, and he's just yeah, going right. up and down the stairs taking yeah, your yeah, prop bets between pitches. Can we do it on every pitch or we have every batter? I've seen, I've seen guys in the in the stands, you know, who were sitting there drinking beer and uh, betting on every pitch. I guess we can do that. I, I suppose. I don't know, but I want to bet that Willie Ostadio is going to swing at the first pitch. What are the odds? <laughs> I want so, so he's playing. He's playing a winter league. He's playing a winter league. He has one strikeout in like two yeah. months. Yeah, right. And he's been six walks and six hit by pitches. Of course, he has. I told you, look up his stats. There's a couple of years where he got hit by more pitches than walks. Yeah, or strikeouts. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, can I give your partner a hard time here, uh, uh, Phil? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, yeah, no question. Yes. Now, yesterday at 5 o'clock, we were going to the Stanley Cup, right? Oh, yeah, no question. The Wild was basically on the way, finally had turned the corner, finally was showing what they needed. 
And now uh, we're, we're uh, back into a panic. Can I point out, uh, I just did the math. There okay. are 512.5% more hockey games than football games in a season. We should not react to hockey <laughs> games as we react to football games. That is my uh, That is the point I would like to make here, Judd. Did you see the meltdown last night? Did you see no, that meltdown? No, I did not see it. But the you know the few days earlier they had the great comeback against Winnipeg. Winnipeg's better than them, and Arizona's better than and the and the Wild are better than Arizona. But when you play eighty two of them, and it's a random sport, stuff happens. Are you saying that Wild Ventline is not in the uh, programming cards here? <laughs> you guys can say all you want, but three of the last four they've blown third period leads, and it's becoming okay. a disturbing trend. All right, and I'm worried about the goaltender too. Disturbing. It's a disturbing. It's a disturbing disturbing. trend, and the goaltender is struggling. I looked looked today; they're still third the division, I think. So uh, we're okay. I am at the uh, Timberwolves tonight, and uh, we just had uh, Pop, who was uh, funny as always. But uh, uh, this is really, you know, everybody's pleased with the six and two record since they got rid of Jimmy. But uh, you find, I think they start finding out tonight if there's any real reality to it, don't you guys? Uh, San Antonio, Boston, Houston, and who's the fourth one? They, this Charlotte. Game homestand. The Hornets. Uh, Char- Charlotte. Hornets, yeah. Yeah, so they, they got, you know, Kemba. Can they guard Kemba? Yeah. But they got, you know, at least three hard games uh, coming up here, and, uh, and we'll see. Because I, I was in Brooklyn to watch that game. They didn't play all that well. They didn't play all that well in Cleveland. They're winning because they're playing some defense now, but uh, I, I'm not sure. Let's find out here in the next uh, couple, three games how much reality. Now, I like this situation a lot better than when they had Jimmy out there fighting with everybody, and they're feeding the cat like everybody wanted them to, but uh, we'll see how much reality there is here in the next uh, week. We will. And I, w- one narrative that I am, or I guess one suggestion that I am incredibly sick of is, this uh, this idea that maybe maybe you need to punish Andrew Wiggins and send him to the bench so that you can try and spark him. If you're five yeah. years into your career and you're a grown yeah. man at this point and you need some sort mm-hmm. of external sparking from a coach to get you to play up to your, that it's a lost cause. So I don't yeah. want to hear that Doesn't anymore. He, uh, has he not uh, not played in the fourth quarter of three straight games? Right. It's at least two. Yeah. Two. Yeah. I think maybe three. Yeah. I think maybe three. But maybe only two. So that's, uh, you know, if they're looking for a message, that's, uh, that's, but, but I think, I think he's not playing in the fourth quarter because Thibodeau wants to win. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. As he pointed out, as he pointed out, you know, Derrick Rose is playing a hell of a lot better than Andrew Wiggins. So that's, that's to me, the, I don't think there's any great psychological, I don't think there's any great psychological acts performed by Tibbs. It's all, Who's going to win? How, how can I win tonight? He doesn't. He doesn't worry about uh, how Andrew is going to be feeling a week from now. I don't think so. How much? Uh, how much does your guy Tibbs need to win to uh, save his job, sir? Do you think? Oh, I I think things would have to really turn sour again for him to get fired this year. I don't think that it's going to happen this year. Now, if they get in the middle of January and they've lost eight in a row and. You know, and and the feel the the good feelings that are taking place right now are all gone, and everybody's down on him again. He might get fired, but I 
I think he has uh, survived the uh, real crisis here. Yeah. Uh, do you? Do you? We have a couple minutes left. Here. Do you think Pat, Derek Rose, if you had to make a decision right now, you, it's either a three-year contract extension for a good chunk of money, or you say goodbye forever to Derek Rose? Which way would you lean? Do you think he's for real? Yeah, I just uh, ride it out here and see what happens because I don't think anybody offered you much. Do you? I mean, it's not like you can trade him and. It's not like you can trade him at the trading deadline and somebody's going to give you a number one, I don't think. I mean, if he's, if he's still shooting like this in two months and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a team in the West or whatever trying to, if I don't know, if if the Rockets yeah. are still trying to find a player, to, I don't yeah. know if that's a great fit, but mm-hmm. I don't know. You might be able to, if this version of him still exists in two months, you might be able to get something. Yeah, well, I'd have to know what the record is, but uh, it's... Uh, it's uh, certainly, uh, considering the outrage we had when he was signed, it's been a rather amazing turnaround. It's funny to me. It, I mean, it's amazing to me. I, when I saw him in college at the Final Four, his one year in Memphis, he was the quickest thing I ever saw on a basketball court, jump-stopping and driving and going by people. And to see him still going to back to a point where he's still going by people is pretty astounding. I, I think there's there's a lot more... And whether it's you know whether he turns an ankle tonight and misses a month, who knows? But uh, he's going by people. He's playing great. Your guy Brew doesn't disappoint, Pat. He's going to North Carolina <laughs> you, to join his old buddy Mac Brown. First. Didn't you hear it here yesterday? You you called it, yeah. You sat there in the uh, oh, yeah. in the prep room oh, with me, and, yeah. Right. And, and I All said, right. "How about Mac Brown going to North Carolina?" And Pat looked at me and said, "Watch Brew go and follow him there. Watch it happen." <laughs> sure enough, didn't even take a day. Didn't take twenty four hours. Brew's on the way, baby. What's he gonna do? He and Mac. He and, oh, he's probably gonna be. He's gonna be the tight ends coach, coach again. Yeah. All right. Head coach of doing whatever it takes to get a recruit to sign. Find me another Vince Young. That is the, uh, and I don't care what it costs. Find me another. Bruce the Bagman? Is that what you're saying? I'd say he's creative, is all I'm saying. I would never call him a Bagman, but he's creative. Maybe he can get some of those dummy phones he used to use to, uh, to call other teams' recruits and say the other team didn't want him anymore. That was <laughs> I, would, I would never accuse him of that. That's just some scurrilous rumor that I heard. <laughs> yeah. And your parents don't want you either, but we do at North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that is great. They're uh, great. What the hell is North Carolina thinking of? Every, you know, Mac, he's feeling better than ever. I saw an interview with him last night. He's there for the same reason Herman's in Arizona yep. and everybody else, all these other old guys are. It's for the money. Yep. They're getting three, four, five million dollars. Herm yep. was making what, a million at ESPN. Now he's making four at Arizona. Pat, it's for the money. That's we'll, why they do it. We'll catch you tomorrow. Great see stuff. Ya, Pat. Bye. All right. Uh, we wrap with Roycey every day. Uh, we'll, go, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Tom Pelissero is going to be on the show, and we catch up with a Minnesota United player who won a bunch of money in a poker tournament. Find our show on demand at 1500ESPN.com. Mackie and Judd, see you.